My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And I want to thank you for listening to Peace by Believing today. On today's program, we're going to be thinking about fasting. Now, that's a little bit of a different topic, but the reason I wanted to deal with this today is because we're still in the, in the early part of a new year. And I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I always spend some time each year in January trying to position myself so that I can experience all that God has for me throughout the remainder of the year. And so this is a great month to be evaluating our lives, every aspect of our lives, our quiet time, uh, our bedtime, our diet, our exercise routine, our schedules, how we're handling stress, making sure that we're doing everything that we can so that we can experience all that God has for us as we journey through the remainder of this year. And I would say several years ago in our church at First Baptist, we began setting aside three days in January that we have called, you know, three days of prayer and fasting. And for us, it has not been a food fast. It has been a media fast. And so we have encouraged our members to set aside three days where they don't talk on the phone, where they don't uh, watch television. When I say they don't talk on the phone, I mean, certainly if it's your family or work responsibilities, you should talk on the phone. But I'm just talking about to have small talk with your friends. We're saying for three days, let's take a break from that type of conversation and spend the time that we would spend on the phone or listening to the radio or watching television. Let's spend that time praying, seeking the face of God and seeing what he might have to say to us as we begin this new year. And so as I was thinking about an appropriate radio program for today, I just in my heart felt led to address this subject of fasting. And so you may have never fasted in your life or maybe you have fasted before, but I never will forget something I heard Dr. James Dobson say years ago. He said, there's something about fasting that God honors because there's something about fasting that honors God. And so when we go, whether it's food or media or whatever we feel led to fast from, when we give that up for a specified amount of time and spend the time that we would have spent eating a meal, watching television, listening to the radio, going to a movie, playing games on the internet or anything like that, when we spend that time listening to God and seeking God, we are honoring God by doing that. And God, in return, honors us. And so that's what this program is about today. And if I had to give this, uh, this sermon or this talk a title, I think I would call it, Have You Thought About Fasting? Because you may be facing some situation in your life, and maybe you've prayed about it, You've talked to your pastor about it. You've talked to other Christian friends about it. And you just don't seem to be experiencing a breakthrough in that situation. And so my question to you today would be, have you thought about fasting? There's something about fasting. It's like intensified prayer. That's what fasting really is. It just means the word fasting has with it the idea of giving something up so that we can, uh, in turn, receive something from God. Now, we don't fast 
to get God on our side. God's already on our side. God loves us, and God has only the best plan for us. So the purpose of fasting is not to try to win God over to our side. And we don't fast to gain God's acceptance. That's not the purpose of fasting. Fasting is not the way we get saved. You don't make yourself acceptable to God by denying food or denying uh, pleasure or denying media. No, you get saved by trusting Jesus Christ, by placing your faith in his death on the cross as the full payment for your sins. When you do that, you are accepted by God, you are received into the family of God, and you're made right in God's eyes. So we don't fast to gain God's acceptance. We don't do any of the spiritual disciplines to gain God's acceptance. Because of Jesus Christ, we already have God's acceptance. But we do the spiritual disciplines, whether they be praying, or whether it be meditation, whether it be tithing, or whether it be fasting. We do those things because uh, we're already in God's family and because it's something that he uh, would want us to do to honor him. It's interesting in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was talking about fasting in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 16, he said these words, Moreover, when you fast, notice he did not say if you fast. In other words, in Jesus' mind, fasting, is it, it never was something that you just were supposed to sit back, well, maybe I'll do it or maybe I won't. Fasting in the mind of God was something that his children would just periodically do. So he said, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, again, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so fasting is something that the Lord assumed we would do during those seasons of life when we needed a breakthrough of some kind, when we needed special divine intervention in some situation. You know, there's sometimes in life you just feel like you've hit a brick wall. I've had those times in my life, in my personal life, in my physical health. I've had different situations where I have just felt like I have hit a brick wall. And sometimes when we get in a situation like that, if we will fast and pray and seek God in an intensified way, there's something about that that God will honor because there's something about that that indeed honors God. So we don't fast to get God on our side. We don't fast to gain God's acceptance. We fast because we are seeking God with all of the intensity of our hearts and of our souls. And so it's interesting as you study American history, you learn that there have been occasions in our nation where presidents have called for national fast. In fact, there have been three presidents, according to my research, in our nation's history that have done that. John Adams uh, called for a national fast. Uh, James Madison did the same thing. And on three separate occasions, Abraham Lincoln called for the people of this country to set aside time for prayer and fasting to seek the face of God. And so this might be something that God puts on your heart, even for our country. As the inauguration is coming up this coming week, you might want to just take a little bit of time. Maybe for you, it's not even a day. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's part of a day. 
But if God puts that on your heart, that you could just uh, pray even for our nation. Now, what I want to do today is to share several reasons that you might consider fasting. In other words, you might be facing one of these situations and you say, you know what, I think fasting might be something that I should try. And before I get into this, let me say, you should never do a food fast of any kind without consulting with your doctor and without making sure that that's okay for you to do that. I know some people are diabetic and they're taking insulin and they have to eat at certain intervals of time. I think it would be very unwise for a person in that situation to fast from food. And I don't think God would expect you to fast from food in that situation. And so there's an example where this media fast that I'm mentioning and something that our church is going to be doing again even this year, uh, the, 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 the three days that we're going to set aside to seek the Lord uh, and get away from the media. And you know, when we do that, I can remember one time I was in a bank and I guess I was cashing a check or depositing a check, doing something. And I was talking to the lady who was helping me there at the counter. And somehow we got talking about this situation of, of fasting. And the question got brought up. Uh, I think she said, do y'all do a three-day fast down there at First Baptist? I said, well, we do. We're doing that again this year. And she said, how does that work? And I said, well, we just encourage our people not to watch TV, not to listen to the radio and things like that. And she said, you mean like when you're driving in your car down the road, you can't have the radio on? And we said, well, we just encourage our people for three days to keep it off. And she said, you mean it's just like you and your thoughts? You're just alone with your thoughts? She said, I don't think I could do that. And of course, I laughed when she said that. But I think there are a lot of people who feel that way because sometimes in our life, noise is something we can't live without. We get home, we turn the television on, we don't want it to be quiet. We get in our car, we turn the radio on, we don't, want, we don't like silence. And yet sometimes we need some silence because think about it. If you always have noise in your life, how are you going to hear from God? How, are you, how is God going to be able to clearly speak to you if you've always got the television on, always got the radio on, always on the computer, always answering text messages, always following somebody on Twitter, always returning an email, always looking something up online with the TV on in the background? If you're living like that, how in the world are you going to be able to clearly identify the voice of God in your life? And so, Sometimes we do need to turn that television off and be alone, as that girl said, with ourselves and with our thoughts. But what she failed to add is to be alone with God. I think about a verse in the Old Testament in the book of Habakkuk. It says that God is in his holy sanctuary, in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. And yet silence is the one thing that most of us cannot take. And we don't like silence. Something about it makes us a little bit nervous. And so as you think about fasting, it's between you and God, first of all, if you even do it. And I would encourage you, don't fast unless you feel God leading you to fast. And uh, fasting is not something that I don't think you would necessarily do uh, on a on a regular basis. You might do it that way if God told you to, but fasting normally is something that you would do periodically and sporadically during those times in life when you need divine intervention from God. And so, you know, if you've never fasted, I would encourage you to just do a media fast and just let God lead you. But I'm going to just leave that between you and God. But what I want to share today are some reasons Whatever the method of fasting that you might employ, I want to mention today some reasons that you might want to think about fasting. First of all, you might want to think about fasting if you need God's help in a hopeless situation. 
If you need God's help in a hopeless situation, maybe you have just lost your job, maybe you've gotten a bad report uh, from the doctor, maybe you're having a relationship problem within your family, something that is a hopeless situation, there's a time to fast. I think about a man named Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah was a godly man, and he got word that the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed And the temple had been destroyed, and the walls around the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And he was living in another country when he learned about that. And the Bible says when when Nehemiah fully understood the severity of what had happened in Jerusalem and how hopeless that situation was, that he sat down and he prayed and he fasted before God. And he just began to pray that God somehow would rebuild that beautiful city of Jerusalem and that uh, God would res- bring restoration in a, in a city and to a people where things were completely hopeless. Well, he was honoring God by fasting, and what did God do? God honored Nehemiah's prayer, and it wasn't long after that prayer that Nehemiah went to Jerusalem himself, and he surveyed all the damage around the city, and he certainly in his spirit was still in a spirit of prayer. And God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls around the city. By this time, the temple itself had already been rebuilt, but the walls around the city were down. They had, they were, had not been rebuilt. And a city with broken down walls is not a very safe place. And so God raised this man up to rebuild the walls of that city. And amazingly, they were able to build, the people were under Nehemiah's leadership, the walls around Jerusalem in only 52 days. It was a true miracle of God. And so there's one example in the Bible of somebody being in a hopeless situation and he prayed about it and he fasted and God came through and did something absolutely supernatural and unexplainable apart from the divine intervention of God. Another reason you might want to think about fasting, not only Should we do it when things are hopeless? But maybe you're trying to discover God's will for your life. Maybe you're faced with a decision. Maybe you're trying to decide if you should keep your job or take another job or maybe change career paths or maybe you're uh, thinking about a major decision in a relationship. And so you you want to make the right decision. You love God. You're sincere about the things of God, but you just need wisdom. Maybe it's not something quite that important. Maybe you're thinking about buying a house or buying a car, making an investment, and you want to do what God wants you to do. You just need wisdom, and you've been praying for wisdom, just like the Bible tells us to, but you still don't know exactly what to do. Well, there would be a time when you might want to intensify your prayer with some fasting, and God would honor it. There's a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 where we receive a very interesting insight about fasting. It says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so God had a clear plan for At this time, he was called Saul. He became the Apostle Paul. But God had a clear plan for this man's life, and he had a clear plan for Barnabas' life. And the Bible says on one occasion, uh, Saul and Barnabas were with other believers, and they were praying, and they were fasting. They were seeking God. And as they were doing that, God revealed In fact, God spoke and said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so God revealed his plan for these men's lives. 
as they were fasting. In fact, the very next verse in Acts 13 and verse 3, it says, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so Paul went out at this time with Barnabas on his first missionary journey, and lots of people got saved as a result. But the point I'm making is the only way they even knew they were supposed to go out on a missionary journey, and for Paul, this was the first of three missionary journeys, they were praying and they were fasting And God spoke, and God says, this is what I want you to do with your life. And so maybe you're 16, 17, 18 years old. Maybe you're a college student, and you're trying to figure out, what does God want me to do in life? Does he want me to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a coach? What does he want me to do? Maybe you're thinking about going into the ministry. Maybe you feel God's call on your life to be a pastor, a missionary, or a worship leader, or a student pastor, Who knows what God might be leading you to do? But you're sensing something, but it's not quite clear. You might want to think about setting aside a little bit of time to fast and pray and seek God's will and see if God won't reveal it to you just as clearly as he did uh, to Saul and to Barnabas. And then another reason that you might want to consider fasting, maybe it's not got anything to do with you at all. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for somebody else a family member or a friend who's going through a very difficult time, and you just want to pray that God would intervene in that situation and that God would protect that person. Uh, Maybe you know somebody who has come under a satanic attack, and it's as though Satan is, is trying to destroy that person's life, maybe by their own actions or maybe by the actions of someone else against them. Maybe they can't even help what's happening. And yet you look at that situation, you say, this person is under attack. This is a serious situation. And so maybe it would be wise for you to set aside a little time just to fast and to pray on behalf of another person. And I think God, I know God would honor that in an absolutely, absolutely amazing way. In the Old Testament book of Esther, we read about a situation where where this is exactly what happened. Esther had become the queen of Persia. And at that time, through a very diabolical and satanic series of events, a decree had been sent out that all the Jews living in that particular area were going to be exterminated on a particular day. And so the word got to Esther. She herself was Jewish. And the word got to her, hey, there's a decree out. And if something doesn't happen, all the Jews in this region are going to be destroyed. And so they came to Esther and they uh, told her this particular situation and inquired as to her as to uh, what she thought that they should do. And Esther, a very godly lady, uh, it's very interesting. She proclaimed a three-day fast. In fact, in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, she said, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan or Susa, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so she asked the Jewish people living in the region to fast and pray that when she went to the king and explained this wicked scheme that had been devised against the Jews, that she would receive mercy from him, that she would have favor from him, that she would not be punished for approaching the king when she had not been summoned. And so the people did just that. They prayed 
and they fasted. They went without food for these three days. They were standing in the gap. Really, they were standing in the gap for themselves, but not only for themselves, for their uh, fellow countrymen. They're living in the, in the area. And so Esther went into the king, and she told him about this wicked plan that had been brought up by an evil man and how a decree had been issued and so on. And when the king found out about it, he responded very favorably, and he ended up issuing really a new decree that overrode the first decree. And the bottom line of that story is the Jews' lives were saved. They were spared. They weren't killed on that particular day. And uh, the evil man named Haman, who had devised this plan, he ended up being killed himself. And so you just see in that situation, God took what the devil meant for bad and he turned it around for good and he spared his people. So it's a wonderful example uh, of somebody who fasted and prayed on behalf of others. And it's interesting, Esther had uh, a relative named Mordecai, and Mordecai was the one who had told her about this evil scheme to destroy the Jews. And when he was explaining it, he said to her, he said, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, he was saying, Esther, it, it may well be, in fact, he was saying, I really think it is that God has made you the queen so that you can explain this to the king and something can be done. And so in your life, God may have you in somebody else's life at such a time as this. And it's interesting, even earlier on this particular day, my father and I were having lunch together and we were in a restaurant and he said, hey, John, look, we were, we were not even in, our, in the city where we live. We were in another city. And he said to me, he said, John, look across the room. There are two ladies from our church. And I looked, seeing who they were, and, and I said to my dad, I said, you know, Dad, I love both of those ladies, and he certainly does too. And I said, one time in my own life, when I was going through a very difficult time, I said, those ladies and some other ladies every Monday night prayed for me. And I didn't even know about this till years after they had been doing that. And I was visiting a lady in the nursing home one day, and we were talking, and she said, you know, John, I've never told you this, but she said, years ago, you were going through a tough time. And every Monday night, there were a group of us ladies who got together and we prayed for you. We prayed that God would protect you and that God would uh, keep you in his will and that he would watch after you and keep his hand on you and all these things they were praying for me. And that's been 15 years now. And I looked at them in the restaurant today and I thought, God, I owe those ladies a great debt. They stood in the gap for me. And God greatly blessed my life as a result. And so it may be that God has placed people in your life and they need you to stand in the gap for them so that God would do something supernatural and special in their lives that he might not do if you were not their prayer intercessor. And so these are just some of the reasons you might want to think about in January, spending some time in prayer and in fasting and committing the year to the Lord. And, you know, even if you're not facing a hopeless situation or you can't think of somebody to pray for or, you know, it's nothing quite that uh, drastic or, or traumatic going on in your life, you might just want to pray for your, for your church, for your pastors, for your family, for your health, for your future. Just commit the year to the Lord. I've noticed this. If I'll spend some time in January doing some kind of fasting, it's like I'm planting good seeds in the ground. And all the remainder of the year, February, March, April, and then into the summer, and then into the fall, and then into the winter, it's like I 
experience a good harvest. We plant the seeds first, we reap the harvest later. And so I encourage you in January, plant some good seeds. Spend some time praying and fasting, seeking the Lord. Don't be afraid to be quiet in His presence. If you decide to spend part of January doing some fasting, I would encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving. That's just one word, peacebybelieving.org. And if you'll find the spiritual growth tab and go to the very bottom of that page, you'll find lots of booklets that we have written through the years. And one of those booklets is a three-day guide for prayer and fasting three days of seeking the Lord. And it gives a a biblical background and a biblical basis of fasting. And then in that booklet, there's a three-day prayer guide where on day one, you're encouraged to pray and fast for yourself, on day two, for your family, and on day three, for your church. And so it's just a little guide that might be a blessing to you. So I hope that you'll visit our website. I hope you'll think seriously about fasting in January. And I pray that your year will get off to an absolutely fantastic start.